Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Today is a super special episode as we're airing our first ever live in-person podcast recording that we held in Atlanta, where Danielle was joined by one of Atlanta's most renowned integrative medicine physicians, Dr. Taz. I unfortunately wasn't able to be there, but I am so excited to share this incredible conversation with you. I loved listening to this episode, and I know you're going to love it too. If you're not familiar with her work, Dr. Taz has worked with more than 15,000 female clients during her time as a board-certified integrative medicine physician at her practice, Center Spring MD, which has multiple locations across Atlanta. She is widely known for her approach that combines modern science and Eastern medicine to help empower her patients to transform their lives and their health. In this episode... Danielle and Dr. Taz begin digging into women's health, gut health, and why it's so important to have body intelligence when it comes to your health. I absolutely love this conversation and hope you all find it as insightful as I did. Please welcome Dr. Taz. Okay. Hi, everyone. We are so honored to have you here today. I'm Zoe. I'm on the Sakara team. I oversee all things community. And it is truly a joy to be in this room with so many Sakara lights in person, in a different city, in a new place. We are so honored that you all showed up and that you are on this journey with us. If you are a Sakara light, you probably know we are all about transformation. And we really believe that everything about your life who you surround yourselves with, what you eat, what you listen to is all a part of you. And community for us is a huge part of what makes Sakara Sakara. We believe that transformation is really a team sport and we're all on our own individual journeys together. So I love seeing so many people in person. Whether or not you've tried Sakara before, tonight might have been your first time. We always invite you to join us for any of our programs. And also, if I haven't met you yet, either tonight or on Slack or at a virtual event, please come say hello. It would be such an honor to connect with each and every one of you. But tonight, we're here for our very first live recording of the Sakara Life podcast. (laughs) Sakara has an incredible podcast. We release new episodes every week. We are always talking to experts in the field. Everything we do is rooted in science and spirit, and the podcast is no exception. So I'm honored tonight to be here with our co-founder and co-CEO, Danielle. If you have not had a chance to meet her, she's amazing. Please come chat with her. 
And tonight she will be chatting with Dr. Taz, who are so thrilled to be joining us tonight. Uh, for those of you not familiar with her work, Dr. Taz has worked with more than 15,000 female clients during her time as a board-certified integrative medicine physician at her practice center, Spring MD, here in Atlanta. She also hosts her own podcast, which I would encourage you to listen to as well. And we're so excited to be having this conversation today about metabolism, about gut health. These are conversations that our Saccharolites are constantly asking for, and we're so thrilled to be able to do this in person with all of you. So thank you again for joining us and for being here. And I turn it to you. Let's do this. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle. And I just first have to say, you guys, I got in this morning and you guys are chic. Like, what a beautiful city. I've talked to so many of you and it's just been so heartwarming and lovely. And I'm truly so grateful to be here meeting all of you in person. So thank you for being here and thank you for being part of our first live Sakara Life podcast. And I'm so honored to be joined by Dr. Taz. Thank you for being here. So how we start off every, I'm going to have to constantly remind myself that we're on a podcast and I don't get to just like chit chat with you because we do do our podcast a little differently. So we always start off the Sakara Life podcast with one question. And that okay. question is, what is your mission? What are you here to do? What are you here to give? What's your gift? Goodness, that's a loaded question. How much time do we have? I, well, it's like, if this weren't the podcast, I might start off with an easier question, but you, I know you can handle it. No, I always give that a lot of thought because like you, we juggle a lot of different responsibilities, probably like all of you, honestly. But I think that at the end of the day, I have so many things I want to do. I think I'm a connector and it's about connecting different types of medicine together, connecting different types of people together, connecting different cultures, religions together, and really elevating all of us that way. I would you probably expected me to stick in the medicine box, but I think my mission is a little bit bigger than that. And medicine is kind of the first step to all these other conversations one of your many tools. Yes. I love that. And how did you get on this path? What brought you to the intersection of so many different things? Well, again, that's a loaded question, but I think when it comes to the practice, Center Spring MD and the type of medicine that I'm doing, where we're merging together different systems of medicine together, that was very much a personal story. That was very much my own health and trying to get answers and not being able to get answers conventionally. And then being really desperate, like so many of our patients are and so many of the people that we meet are, and finally understanding that I had to take this into my own hands and really figure it out for myself. So that led me down this journey of holistic medicine, nutrition, food as medicine, right? I, it's silly, but we get no nutrition coaching or lecturing in medical school. So the, the shocking fact that my food was impacting my hormones and everything else was all news to me. And I was in my 20s. I mean, I wasn't that old. So Really, just as I started to get better and as I started to heal myself, of course, everybody around me started asking questions and I would throw out a suggestion here or a suggestion there and people would come back and be like, oh, that worked. That was amazing. And so I realized there was something there. And with a lot of coaxing and urging from the people around me, my husband and others, we started the practice in a very, it was supposed to be a hobby. It was supposed to be like, oh yeah, I'll work the ER and I'll come do two days a week here. And my husband was so sweet. He was like, you don't have to worry about the business end of it. You just have to see patients. You know so much. So just see a couple of patients. And it just exploded is probably the best I can say. It just grew and grew and grew. So 
That was the journey into this type of medicine and understanding the connection between wellness and medicine, right? And how our physical health is not just a lab value. It's not just a number. It's really connected to our emotional health, our mental health, so many, our energetic health. There's so many pieces to the puzzle. So as I've continued, we're now 14 years old, 13 years old. As I've continued down that that journey, the stories are just, there's so many stories and it's still the same experience for so many people and they're still trying to get answers and they're still having so much trouble in our current medical system connecting the dots. When it comes to my life, my life is just as much of a hodgepodge. <laughs> so, so literally like, you know, grew up in a Islamic family, married a Hindu guy, grew up in Christian schools. I just wow. came back from a girl's trip and every woman there was so different, but we all were so connected. So it's just life and realizing that we all do have a common story. I love that as your mission. And I also, I love the, that your mission was born out of your own personal experience because it's very similar for Whitney and I, I I don't think I could sit here in front of all of you and talk about how amazing Sakara is if I didn't actually live it. And Sakara would not be here if it had not transformed my life. And similarly, like now there's thousands upon thousands of lives it's transformed. It's and the question Whitney and I often get is like, okay, I haven't found like my passion or my thing. What do I do? Where should I start? And I always say like, I actually think when you're talking about your career, it should be more like, Oh, it's my mission. Because I think passion is more like what you were talking about, like your hobby, but it turned out to be your mission. And the mission is like the, I can curse on my own podcast, like the shit that you had, <laughs> that you had to go through, totally. you know, to bring you here, the lessons you had to learn, the things you had to go through. And that was actually the gift Whitney and I felt like we were giving. And so it's so beautiful. It humbles so many of your patients to know that deep down, even if they don't know the whole story, that you two were going through something and you had to find your way out. So can you share a little bit more about like what you were going through? Because I know it's also in your book. But yes. Yeah. yes. And I always, I tell the story and I'm like, for the people that know me, I'm so sorry. You're so tired of the story. But anyhow, but so I was out of residency and the whole journey from med school through residency is not an easy one. And I had come from a lot of dysfunction in my familial home with my parents. And I had been kind of the mature one and the responsible one. So I'm going into this very stressful journey, stressed out, right? And then as the hours get long and you're doing night shifts and day shifts and all this other craziness, I thought I was being healthy because I was drinking Diet Cokes and eating fat-free popcorn. So I thought like, I've, I've got this down, right? And I used to run. I used to run like four or five miles every single morning before rounds at four o'clock in the morning. So I thought I had it down right when it came to health and wellness. But sure enough, after residency and taking that first emergency medicine job, I just kept getting sick. I got sicker and sicker. My hair was falling out. I was gaining weight. It was painful to like move my hands. I was like, just felt inflamed is probably the best word. I didn't know that word at the time, but felt very inflamed. And it was funny as the ER nowadays is used as primary care for so many people. So they saw me as I started and then they would, the patients would see me like maybe six months later with something else. And they would start to make comments. They would like, I noticed I'd be talking to them and they're like looking up here at my scalp rather than looking at me. Or they're like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> like we know we have an issue, but are you okay? And it was finally my husband and my mom that sat me down maybe a year and a half into this job. And they're like, something's wrong. You don't look right. We love you, but please go get answers. 
And so it takes a lot of courage to accept that something's wrong. And there's a lot of shame when you realize. And I think I was just kind of hiding. Like I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't turn the light Especially as a doctor. Totally. It's like, I don't want to go ask for help. So then I began the journey of trying to get answers. And it was just a, it was a shit show. I don't know how else to explain it. It was sort of like you go to the primary care and they tell you you're just stressed. And then you go to the endocrinologist and they say your hormone levels are fine. And then you go to the dermatologist and it was just like being dismissed, being dismissed, being dismissed. And finally, the last specialist was take this medicine or you're going to be bald. And at this point, I have no diagnosis. Uh, there's no di- there's no official diagnosis. It's just like, take this. And so I did. And I was like, okay, this is my, I'm tired of this. This is my last option. And so when we're in, wake up and this is stupid on my part. And this is where patients, we have to be our own advocates. I'm a physician. And I, I think again, the shame and like, the embarrassment of having whatever it was I thought I had, I, I didn't do my own digging. And so I wake up one morning, put my workout clothes on, running, do this workout, come out of the workout, drink some water, take this medicine, jump in my car. And I already have low blood pressure. And the medicine is a medication which drops blood pressure further. And I had worked out and I had not eaten and I was dehydrated. And I jump in my car. I think I took a few phone calls, jumped in the car. So an hour and a half had gone by from taking it. And started to get super dizzy as I'm driving and almost passed out, almost hit. And so to avoid hitting somebody, swerved and crashed the car. And it was at that moment, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is this is crazy. Like, there's got to be a different way. And so it was one of those unfortunate, thankfully, nobody was hurt, but like unfortunate moments where you're like, I'm smart. I can figure this out. So I started like literally digging around found the American Association of Holistic Medicine. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that, but at the time they used to offer like a weekend course in holistic medicine. So I told my now husband, I'm like, I want to go do this course. He's like, okay, I'll come with you. So it was in Colorado. And it was literally like, what are these people talking about? Like language I've never heard, leaky gut, adrenal fatigue, like what? What are they talking about? And so I realized there's a whole world out there that I didn't know and I wasn't familiar with. And it just, it was like opening Pandora's box and just kept studying and studying and studying after that. So long story short, it ends up that I had PCOS and the gluten, the dietary component, like many patients with PCOS, gluten was killing my thyroid, making my estrogen levels crazy, making my insulin levels crazy. My androgens were high. That's why I was losing hair. And so literally it took a year and a half, but pulling gluten out, getting the nutrient supplementation I needed, supporting my thyroid, I was pretty much back to normal, but it was hard one. I mean, it's insane to me that that's not part, like that that wasn't part of medical training. Like, why do you think there's such a discrepancy between I also understand the science behind what you're speaking to. And I know there are studies that support it. So like, why isn't it in traditional Western medicine? You know, and I still think, unfortunately, even though we have such a big movement, it's still not a part. It's still not not there. And, And I think that if you want that information, you have to go as a physician and seek it out on your own. I think physician education, the way it's set up right now, is very research based. It's very pharmaceutical based. So if there's not a drug at the end of a research study, then it's not worth anyone's time financially and monetarily. So that's the motivation behind you have these big academic departments and then they in turn dictate how everyone's trained, right? 
So if you don't have a way of monetizing nutrition and nutrition research, it's not worth Yeah, you can't monetize kale. Nope. Sorry. No. <laughs> I think you can't. Or right sleep up. or rest or any yeah. of these things. It's so, it's so interesting to me because it's so prevalent right now. And I imagine like you are, are you people's like last stop because they didn't know about you when they started? It's like, we get so many people like that. They're like, I've tried everything. And listening to your story about the, the car crash, I had my own where I'd been dieting my whole life. I had a terrible relationship to my body, to my plate. And I was studying nutrition and I was studying medicine. I was pre-med and we were seeing patients. I was interning with a cardiologist. We were seeing patients with late stage lifestyle diseases. I was like, who's getting to these patients before it's late stage lifestyle diseases? It's inherent in the name that it's based on their lifestyle. Who's helping them with their lifestyle? And all these things converged. And I ended up doing this insane cleanse where I had to fly somewhere. And I won't name the name because I don't like to speak poorly about anything, except I had a terrible experience And it was a water fast. It was a raw cleanse. It was 21 days and I almost died. And I had that aha moment. And now I think about my mission. I'm like, I want to get to people before they have those moments that we did. Because there were so many signs before I had that big one that hit me upside the head that I had to change my life. And I waited until I had the really bad one. And sounds like you had many signs too. And it's hard to listen. I get it. But I think it's getting easier and easier. And I don't remember my question that I had started with. <laughs> but it was, something, okay. it was something around, oh, your, your clients being like, they're, you're their last stop. And do you find that often? Like they've gone to all the specialists like you had. I mean, it makes me sad, but I think the story is the same. Like they've had a similar experience, right? Of stopping at maybe their primary care doctor, and then maybe going to a specialist, maybe going to the next specialist and then not getting the answer. The interesting thing I think about our patients, though, is that as this movement has grown, there are many younger and younger people stepping into it and even more middle-aged people stepping into it being like, I don't want that. Like, nothing's wrong with me, but I don't want that. I don't want that journey, that medication, that relationship. That's not what I want. And so we've got a lot of people 13, 14 years in now it's shifted to, I have a problem, I can't get answers to, we still have that. I have a problem, I can't get answers to, I just don't want that. I don't want that experience. And that to me is is really beautiful. And it's actually, I think the consumers, you guys, the patients are driving, will be the driving force of change in medicine. Because as you guys demand it and leave the conventional system, all of what's sort of already established, they're going to have to wake up and do something. Yeah. And I also think people are more and more willing to say like, what can I do to change my health? Where I know my mom grew up in a generation where like that wasn't really part of how you thought about health. It was like you went to the doctor for that and you got a prescription for that. And there's been this huge shift just in people, not even the medical system, but like, what can I do for my health? Which brings me to like one of the core topics I want to talk about with you today, which is metabolic health Mm -hmm. and metabolism, because that really is at the core of when we think about these lifestyle diseases, taking care of all of the, the things that go into metabolic health. But I want you to talk about kind of the the difference between our metabolism and metabolic health, because my mother, bless her soul, she also was of the generation that was like, oh, I just have a slow metabolism. So what does that mean? Is it true? And how does that feed or what's the difference between that and metabolic health? 
Definitely. So metabolism historically has been thought of in a couple ways, right? So I think the first myth that we should go ahead and dispel right now is it's not calories in and calories out. So let's push that off the table. I think the second myth that we should go ahead and just knock out before we even start talking too much about it is that your metabolism slows with age. That's one that we all hear over and over again. Patients continue to tell me that as well. And I think the third is that we can't do anything about it. You're just aging, it's normal, or it's in your head, there's nothing wrong with you, like all these things that we keep hearing. So I think all of those things are simply not true. The latest study that just came out a couple months ago, quite honestly, from Harvard School of Public Health said, actually, our metabolism isn't slowing. Our metabolism peaks at age 20, then sort of stabilizes from 20 to 60, and then goes down, yes, for sure, after 60. But there's some key reasons why metabolism goes up and why metabolism goes down. And so I think understanding that metabolic health is not just your diet and your energy, sort of this caloric equation, right? I spend this, I eat this, and that's my metabolism. That there's so many different facets involved that one of the biggest facets of metabolic health is gut health. And it is kind of the engine of everything. So when your digestive system is not working well, when the food you consume is not healthy and it's creating shifts in the gut bacteria, and we can have a huge debate on gut health in a minute if you want, but when there's all this stuff going on with the gut, you're not going to have a good metabolic rate. So that's the first piece of it. The second is the whole hormone equation, which does impact metabolic health, but impacts it in a very subtle way. So that's a part of it. And then the third is our, well, I'd say there are two more, our lifestyles, the choices we make, and the fourth would be kind of our emotional state of being and our energetic state of being. And I think when, and I'm sure all of you have experienced in times of great stress or in despair or grief or whatever it is, suddenly you had somebody today, like suddenly you gain 10 pounds. And so there is this sort of fluidity with the body with, I always think of the body in three or four terms, like there's an energetic an emotional, a spiritual, a physical, they all communicate with each other and they influence metabolism. And they, in turn, influence the organs and the organ systems. And this is not some new thing that I came up with. Eastern medicine is all about this, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine. And they would never treat, like, you know, I told you I was with my girlfriends over the last four days. One of them was like, oh, well, you just need to, so-and-so just needs to work out harder, right? I'm like, well, if they're not sleeping and they're super stressed, working out harder is going to worsen their metabolism, not make it better. So, going back to what the study said is that it's our lifestyle choices, it's the stress, it's the weight of responsibility that adds up over the decades that is impacting metabolic health. It's also our muscle mass that plays a huge role in metabolism. And it's also our nutritional profile because there's something called mitochondria that power everything. They power our brain, they power our muscles, they power so much of our body. And if we don't have the right sort of nutritional fingerprint or profile, then those mitochondria literally die. And as they die, we don't have the power and the vitality and all of these other things that we need for metabolic health. So it's, again, complex but simple. Many things are involved. Many systems are involved to really have good metabolism. But the best news is that we can do something about it. It's not true that it's going downhill and we're on this downhill slide and it's all over after a certain age. We control the dials. Totally. Today, we're getting back to the basics of Saqqara, and so we wanted to share a bit about our Saqqara Signature Nutrition Program for all of those listeners that are new to us. 
We created this program after healing ourselves to help others feel the same transformation that we experienced through the power of food as medicine. This program is based on the science behind a whole food plant-rich diet and has been crafted around our proprietary nine pillars of nutrition, which focuses on things like nutrient diversity and eating the rainbow, eating your water and getting enough sulfur-rich veggies into your diet, as well as cultivating body intelligence in order to have true mind, body, and soul transformation. The Sakara Signature Nutrition Program makes clean eating easy. It's entirely free from meat, gluten, dairy, refined sugar, pesticides, harmful chemicals, and GMOs. The menu is chef-crafted and changes weekly to highlight seasonal ingredients and recipes so you never have to sacrifice taste for eating healthy. If you're interested in learning more about our Sakara Signature Nutrition Program, head to sakara.com to see how you can customize the program to fit your needs and lifestyle. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com. And for a limited time, we wanted to give you all a gift of transformation. So use the code PODCAST20 at checkout for 20% off your first order of Sakara Life. I think so many of us are so busy these days trying to take care of the entire world around us, whether you're a busy professional or a mom, I encourage you to give this gift of nutrition to yourself. You deserve to feel amazing in your body. And when you nourish yourself, then you're able to better take care of the world around you and share your special gifts with the world. And is there a component that is genetic or like what percentage of that? So, you know, my, when my mom says that, that her mom had slow metabolism, like, what does that mean in terms of genes and is it true? So there's some testing we do in the practice, which is fascinating. There are actually genes that match to a particular metabolic rate. And they will say, if you have these gene markers, it's easier for you to gain weight. You might have a slower metabolism. So there is a genetic piece to it. And I don't want to skim over that by any means. So there's definitely a genetic piece to it, but here's the conversation. Even though you may have genetics around something, there's still an action plan that goes with it, right? So that's the part we want people to understand. And one of my pet peeves too, by the way, is like, well, I have a gene for that. So that's the way it's going to be. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to either turn the gene on or you're going to turn the gene off depending on how you live your life. So the not so beautiful metaphor is like, your genes load the gun and yes. your lifestyle pulls the trigger. And it's just, that's a great one. Even though, yeah, yeah I don't I like really that. like necessarily have you to talk about guns in this conversation. <laughs> right. It really, it really does like paint the picture, right. Of like how much control we have right. over our health. So we have done numerous podcasts on the gut and we love talking about it, but we haven't actually talked about specifically the gut and how it relates to hormones. So can you talk about gut health and how it relates to overall hormonal health? Definitely. And I, and I'm, sad kind of that this topic or this connection gets missed all the time because I yeah, feel it really like, does. Yeah. And I feel like women walk around thinking that their digestive health has nothing to do with their hormonal health and nothing could be further from the truth. Here's what we understand is happening. I mean, and there's so many conversations we can have on the gut, but the hormones need, first of all, they need fat. So if you're not metabolizing fat, if you're not breaking fat down effectively, we know that you're going to have a lot of different hormone imbalances, the first of which we usually see is low progesterone levels. So for our superwomen that I talk about all the time who are super stressed out, that's a common, that's me in, at 20, 25, I had low progesterone and that's me today too. So that's a big one that not getting enough healthy fats impacts hormone levels. 
not having the right microbial profile, right? Not to nerd out too much, but like not having the right probiotics, the right bacteria in the gut, the bacteria in the gut determine what's going to happen to your hormones. So we all have hormones, right? But if we don't have the right bacteria in the belly, that's going to be the difference between a hormone building up and then causing a hormone-based disease like breast cancer or fibroids or PCOS or all these other things that we talk about or a hormone getting broken down and doing what it's supposed to do, like making us feel energetic and vital and having good hair and good skin and all these other things. So that's a really important piece of it. If we don't have digestive enzymes and we're not breaking down all the great nutritious foods that we're eating and getting nutrients to where they need to go. So this gut hormone connection is so critical for every hormone, like converting thyroid hormones takes place in the gut. Breaking down estrogen takes place in the gut. Managing progesterone takes place in the gut. Insulin is the master hormone responds to what's happening within the gut. So it's a really critical relationship. And sometimes in the practice, I feel like a broken record because I feel like I'm saying this over and over again, but it's one that gets just missed that there's such a strong connection between the two. And are there things that women can do as we do everything from go through puberty to have children to pre and postmenopausal? Like I think we're taught or even our monthly periods. What am I talking about? We have hormones fluctuations all the time. So are there things that we can do? Because I think we're taught that your cycle should just be painful and you're going to be a mess postpartum and you're going to have hot flashes. And like, are all those things inherently true or are there dials that you can turn also? There are dials that you can turn completely. The women in perimenopause and menopause that have the hardest time have the worst guts, right? They're either have candida or they have bacterial overgrowth or they're having too much sugar or alcohol or those type of things. And that's making that transition very difficult. For the adolescents, which, you know, my daughter's right in there and watching what's happening there, like eating all those inflammatory foods makes your cycle so much worse. So there's such a connection between all. It's not the way things need to be. And if we can sort of understand our own puzzle pieces and really understand what our gut story is, and then, of course, stay on top of the hormones. So many people don't stay on top of their hormones, like from 13 all the way to 65, you should be checking your hormone levels at least yearly, maybe even twice a year and understanding what the fluctuations and the shifts are so that when things do start to go nuts, you can catch them. Like I already know in my 14 year old that she's got PCOS. I already see it and I see everything else that is sort of associated with it. So trying to help her put her head around like this is how you have to eat. This is what you have to take. This is how you have to take care of your body. Otherwise, you're going to have issues as as you continue to grow. Wow, that's so interesting. I feel like I read this headline once that in maybe it was in Japan or something that like the idea of PMS was like not even a thing. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. They're so great about all their fermented foods and their whole foods and they don't eat a lot of packaged and convenience foods and all that other stuff. So they probably metabolize estrogen just fine. What a crazy thing that our culture can inform our biology. in such a wild way. Can you talk to us about your Superwoman book and what your mission behind that was? And you talk about the Superwoman being kind of like that high cortisol on the go all the time. Who is she and why did you decide to write a book for her? I think women are incredible, not to cut any of the men because they have their story too. But when I think about women, we really do, every woman I meet, no matter what role she plays, whether she's at home or working or running a business or whatever she's doing, literally are responsible for usually at least eight to 10 other people, whether that's children or family members or community members or work people or whoever it is. And that load 
is a load, right? And most women are nurturers. And in that nurturing, they often neglect themselves. And so what I'm finding is as we've risen in terms of like, we can have any, we can choose, right? We can do whatever we want. But what's happening is that as women do these amazing things and accomplish a whole lot, they have cut off that nurturing sense for themselves. And so they're crashing and burning. They're getting sick. They're having more and more chronic diseases, diseases of inflammation, like autoimmune disease, breast cancer rates are up despite everything else that we're doing. So just again, when you sit and you listen, because I get a chance to listen to so many different types of women all the time, the story is universal. And it's a story of just being overwhelmed and overburdened and then not seeking help right until the wheels of the bus are coming off. And so I was like, how great would it be? And I wish I had had this when I was going through my journey, right? Where like, look, you don't know where to start. Start here. Understand yourself here. And it is not one size fits all. We all do come, although our story is universal, like our chemistry and our makeup is a little bit different. And so, again, if you look to the, our ancestors, if you look to Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine, they really did think in terms of types, right? Ayurveda called it dosha, Chinese medicine called it meridians. They were trying to say the same thing, that they're distinct patterns and types. So for me, it was literally, there were two events that led to the book. One was literally, I was seeing a patient. And sometimes when you're in the rhythm, speaking of mission and passion, when you're in the rhythm of what you're doing, the mission shows up sometimes. So I think I was seeing a patient, talking to a patient. I literally saw it on the wall in one of our rooms, like, oh, like these labs, these hormone patterns, this gut pattern, this dosha, this meridian, it kind of all goes together. And then I think the same day or the next day, I'm driving with my daughter who at the time was like maybe eight or nine. I can't remember how old she was, but she's like, mom, I'm so sick of people calling you superwoman. Why don't you just write a book and help everybody else figure it out? You know, so, and I'm like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> so the title of the book is really because she came up with that. But it was like, That's you know, so like we've got, there are five key patterns when we turn to Eastern systems of medicine and they match up to lab work and to all this other stuff. And so if you can identify your type, you at least have a roadmap, somewhere to start if you can't sit with a doctor and if you can't get that appointment, that's at least a starting point with how to eat, what to take, how to live your life, your very essence or nature. Not all of us are meant to like do 50,000 things at one time. Some of us need to go a little bit slower. So understanding that is a lot of self-acceptance and then also how to nurture and care for yourself. Can you talk us through the five types? Sure. So again, I have to credit my daughter for a lot of this. So we were just trying to have fun. I'm like, well, what would we call these? Like there's the creative one who's more Vata, right? In Ayurvedic medicine has more sort of kidney meridian issues in Chinese medicine. So that's the gypsy girl. So that one has very specific needs, needs a lot of protein, a lot of fat, needs consistent sleep. These are usually folks that are night owls. They tell me they stay up all night creating, which is the worst thing for them because they get more disconnected from themselves. And then there's the boss lady, which turned out to my surprise being the dominant type. So those are the women who are very Pitta in Ayurveda. They have more liver meridian issues in Chinese medicine, and they are just busting it. They're going to get things done, but there's a price and a cost to that. And they hold that stress often in their gut and have a lot of diseases of inflammation, a lot of chronic diseases. Then there are what I call the over-nurturers, right? It's not about themselves. You probably know somebody like that, but it's always like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one to show up at the hospital. I'm going to be the one to take care of everyone. And they are kapha in Ayurvedic medicine. They have more spleen meridian issues in Chinese medicine, which is more gut insulin. So they gain weight very easily. 
So they have a very specific diet that they need to follow. They don't like to exercise. It's not natural to them. So they have to kind of forcibly do that. And then there were some blended types. So there was like the savvy chick, which is part creative, part go-getter. And then there was a nightingale who is a little mix of all of them, but honestly had worked so hard and was so mission driven that they had completely crashed their immune system. So those were the five women that I think I'm meeting over and over again in any given situation. And hopefully it was fun. People told me they were having like dinner parties and taking the test and like trying to decide what types everybody was and then arguing about it and all that other good stuff. But again, I think the other part of the types was that we have to understand that we change. So you may be a boss lady at one point in your life, but you may enter a more nurturing phase in a different point of your life. And that's because we as women change, right? We go from single to maybe having a partner, to having children, to running a business or not running a business. So we have all these different roles that we're always playing. So our types might change. So revisiting that over and over again should be a part of the journey. I love that. And obviously we're here in Atlanta filming. So all these lucky people can have the opportunity to see you. But for those who are listening to the podcast, what's your advice? Like, how do you, if you are seeing a doctor, because so many amazing integrative doctors like yourself or functional medicine doctors don't take insurance. So, you know, either you have to see someone in network or maybe there's just not an integrative doctor nearby. Like how can you come to your doctor with tools, with information? Like what's your advice on dealing with kind of more Western medicine ideology? Yeah, I think for the Western doctor, it's very difficult because the model and the system of medicine, even if you have the kindest, most open physician, they've got 10 to 15 minutes with you. It's a transactional relationship. They want to be able to deliver something, usually a prescription at the end of that relationship. So the model is not set up for these deep conversations. But I think understanding what you want to get out of that encounter before you go into it is probably a place to start. So have your questions, right? Do your research. If you want lab work done, like I have so many resources on the Dr. Taz site, everything from like what labs to check in the Superwoman RX book. There's a whole detailed list of what what to check and what to ask for, but go ahead and ask for those things. That might be might be your starting point. And asking for those will help educate you about kind of where you stand. Now, I have to plug us. We do take virtual patients. So if you're oh, anywhere around the world, we have patients all over the place. So we can do that too. But I think that if everyone wants a starting point, I think they have, unfortunately, we have to get super educated because the model that does take insurance and is financially maybe feasible does not lend itself to this type of medicine. And and so many people have tried and it just never seems to work out. Yeah. So you really have to do educate yeah. yourself and your doctor. Yes. So. Can you talk about men versus women and metabolism? Because I'm actually dealing with this with my husband where I think he got the idea also that his metabolism slows as he gets older which I can't wait to tell him that he's wrong. <laughs> but I don't know where he got that because I actually don't hear it from the male gender as often. So like, is it true that men go through fluctuations also? Because you kind of are taught that they just stay the same all the way through. No, they fluctuate too. I mean, I think there's some interesting shifts with men and I think there needs to be a lot more work done on men just as much as we talk about women. But I think men go through shifts. The reason their shifts are slower and not as obvious is because they're not going through this fertility, postpartum, perimenopause, menopause transition the way women are. So it's not as like in our face, right? But they go through very subtle shifts. And those shifts include from 20 to 30, there's a shift in their hormone levels. 
And then from 30 to 40, they have a massive shift. That's where you see a lot of men being like, you know, where's the weight coming from? What's happening? But it's a little bit of the same story. They're shifting hormonally. They're shifting emotionally. There's actually a male menopause called andropause. All that shifting is happening, but there's not enough education behind you're shifting. Therefore, this is what you need to do. So you need to adjust your diet. You need to adjust sort of your lifestyle. But it's the diet and lifestyle factors that impact men much more directly, I think, than even women, because we still have this hormone variable to work out before diet and lifestyle can significantly impact what we're doing. So the short answer is same rules. Metabolism technically doesn't slow, but diet and lifestyle and stress and careers and all these other things get in the way. So it leads to habits that really impact what they can do. You can cheat in your 20s. You just can't cheat and do that stuff as you go into your 30s and 40s and 50s. So you've got a lot of men still, my med school buddy's still drinking like under the table a couple of nights a month. We can't get away with that when we're 40 and 50 like we could in our 20s. Yeah, I have a secret to tell you guys. So I study nutrition and I'm actually getting my master's in functional medicine now. And I really, I don't know if it's because I've just been so immersed in Saqqara land and food, but I really thought that like food was it. (laughs) And I have to say, I'm really humbled and surprised by how equally weighted stress is. Yes. Like I kind of was, I don't know what type this makes me, but I was like kind of the one that I can eat really well, but yeah, I don't need to like stop and breathe. I'll just like keep going, 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 going. Okay. Well, yeah. And also two kids. I don't know what that makes me too, but it's so important. And I, I feel like meditation is now part of the wavelength, but I come from a diet mentality. And to be honest, I try and stay away from things like meditation or like labels that make me feel like if I don't do it that way, I'm doing something wrong and there's a wagon to fall off of. So I've found something that works for me and I just do it myself. I don't label it. I don't talk about it. I don't really share it because it just works for me. And I just want people to like find what works for them. But it's helped me with my stress levels a lot. And Talk to us about like how stress impacts our hormones, our metabolism, because I'm, I'm humbled learning how critical it is to lower stress Yeah, levels. I mean, I think it goes back to that comment right from the weekend of like, well, they just need to work out harder. So one of the things we need to understand is that if you're not sleeping, if you're not getting deep, consistent sleep, at least 90 minutes of REM sleep and 90 minutes of deep sleep, and you are incredibly stressed, so your cortisol is out of control, dieting and over-exercising is counterproductive. It actually hurts you. It actually impacts your metabolism in a negative way. And so for many people that come in and they've been through a lot or they're doing a lot, our first goal is just to get the nervous system to calm down. And the best example I can give is on myself and even on other patients. Some of us have tried, I don't know if you guys have tried to wear those glucometers that measure your blood sugar levels and just watch and see what happens. And it is shocking information. I highly recommend you guys do that because for me, like, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I had my protein smoothie and I had my salad and whatever when I'm here and I could get my sugars between a certain point. I go away on vacation. I'm not as clean or pure in eating things I normally don't eat. My sugars were better. They were lower. And so it's like, wait a minute. So it's the runaround, it's the stress, it's the lack of sleep. You can be so pure in your diet, but if you don't get that part down, it's almost like a little 
need it all. You, you, need you it can't all. fake it. You can't fake it. And so I was just like, I can eat a hamburger and my blood sugar only goes there. <laughs> like, how does that work? You so know? do you think we're supposed to just live on vacation? Like, Probably. are we just like doing yeah. life wrong? So, okay, I could talk to you all evening, but we, we're going to do, we're going to end the podcast how we always end the podcast. And then we're going to do a quick uh, Q&A. So our last question we always ask is about light work. And light work is essentially homework for all of us, some sort of practice, ritual. It could be anything that helps each of us shine our lights a little brighter. So light work that each of us can yeah. do? Yes. So I would say my favorite light work is probably taking time out for yourself in whatever way you can do that. And so my favorite routine there is spending five to 10 minutes in the morning and writing down your thoughts and just dumping the trash can, so to speak, because your mission, your purpose, your passion, whatever it is, will come out and you will hear whatever voice you want to hear and your answers will be there. But again, just like everything else, it doesn't happen the first day. So you have to keep doing it 10 minutes every single day to understand what you need to do next. That's beautiful. Have you read The Artist's Way? Yes, yes, I live by the artist. Anybody else read that book? It's well, really yeah, I beautiful. I think it led me down this journey. I For did sure. it during that time and I'm, I've done it since. But that's, do you guys know that book? It's morning, it's you write morning, morning pages. pages. Huge believer in it. Really beautiful. Yeah. And I, I love, I think that connects to what you're saying too, where it's calming the nervous system. Very much. So you're just letting energy flow through you instead of dealing with it coming at you at all times. And it's the decision-making, right? I think we're bombarded with a million decisions at any given moment as business owners, as women, as moms. And that few, whatever it is, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you take is an opportunity to be true and authentic to yourself and to stop the noise and be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to say yes to that because that's not true to me. And that honestly prevents a lot of health crises down the road. Real quick, but on like the 30th, uh, December 30th or something of 2019, I wrote this post and I was feeling really inspired. I didn't do morning pages, but I'd done my own version of it. And so I wrote this post about like, I want 2020 to be the year about not working too hard, not <laughs> going go. out, not doing too much. You manifested that. And then that. it happened. I was like, you have to be really careful what you ask for. It. Totally. Um, yeah, no, but it's true. It's like, it's being overworked and too busy. Like it's just, it, I feel like we used to idolize it as a culture and the prayer is to really really not. So anyway, okay, we're going to do a couple questions. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Go ahead. Hi, so Danielle, I know that you always talk about nutritional insurance when it comes to Sakara and especially supplements. Do you have anything that you would recommend that we can use as metabolism insurance? So something that we can do kind of to proactively protect ourselves, whether we think an issue is coming on or we think we're okay and just want to be safe. That's for me. So I think metabolism insurance is guarding your gut health. I think understanding like what's happening with your digestive health, you doing things like getting probiotics in, varying and rotating your food. I think that's key. And I would say the second one is understanding where your muscle mass is. I think those are two things you could do to guard your metabolic health. Yeah. And to speak to that, the number one indicator for a healthy gut, as she mentioned, is getting a variety of plants. And I get people all the time who are like, no, 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 I eat really well. I just have like the same meals every single day. And I'm like, maybe inherently each of those meals is healthy. But if you have it every single day, you're not optimizing your gut health. And that's car you get over 70 ingredients in a day, which 
most people aim for, they say to aim for 30 a week. And so over a week, you get over 180 different plant species. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both. This was such a wonderful conversation. And I always listen to the podcast, but it's so nice to like watch you do it live. So thank you all for joining us. We have a few more bites up front and we also have some incredible nourishment for you to take away. So you can have a Saqqara breakfast tomorrow um, and really just keep living the Saqqara life. We, again, are so grateful to be in a room with so many Saqqara lights. It's like really wild when we all, you know, sit behind our computers and at a desk all the time. So thank you again. Please keep hanging out. Come say hi to us. Come say hi to Danielle. Come say hi to Dr. Taz. We would love it. And please grab some Saqqara nourishment on your way out. Thank you again. Thank you guys. Today, we're getting back to the basics of Saqqara. And so we wanted to share a bit about our Saqqara Signature Nutrition Program for all of those listeners that are new to us. We created this program after healing ourselves to help others feel the same transformation that we experienced through the power of food as medicine. This program is based on the science behind a whole food, plant-rich diet and has been crafted around our proprietary nine pillars of nutrition, which focuses on things like nutrient diversity and eating the rainbow, eating your water and getting enough sulfur-rich veggies into your diet, as well as cultivating body intelligence in order to have true mind, body, and soul transformation. The Sakara Signature Nutrition Program makes clean eating easy. It's entirely free from meat, gluten, dairy, refined sugar, pesticides, harmful chemicals, and GMOs. The menu is chef-crafted and changes weekly to highlight seasonal ingredients and recipes so you never have to sacrifice taste for eating healthy. If you're interested in learning more about our Saqqara Signature Nutrition Program, head to saqqara.com to see how you can customize the program to fit your needs and lifestyle. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com. And for a limited time, we wanted to give you all a gift of transformation So use the code PODCAST20 at checkout for 20% off your first order of Saqqara Life. I think so many of us are so busy these days trying to take care of the entire world around us, whether you're a busy professional or a mom. I encourage you to give this gift of nutrition to yourself. You deserve to feel amazing in your body And when you nourish yourself, then you're able to better take care of the world around you and share your special gifts with the world.